What's going on, ladies and gents? Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com, and today I have special guest Josh Perry on the line. He is a BMX athlete and survivor of four brain tumors, so super excited to get his story on this because I'm sure it's going to be interesting. How are you, man? I'm doing well, Robert. I appreciate uh, your time and uh, support and offering me this opportunity to share. And like we were talking about earlier, it's just a cold, beautiful day in North Carolina after the 70 day, uh, seventy degree weather we had yesterday. So it's going well. North Carolina is cool, man. I, I've only been there once. Like I said, we, we, we're gonna, I'm going to be going up there a bunch this year, but y'all like right in the Smoky Mountains. So it's just beautiful. Yeah. Uh, I used to live in Greenville, North Carolina. So like East Carolina University, about an hour and a half east of here. So now where I'm located out in like the Raleigh area, we're like an hour and a half, two hours to the beach or to the mountains, like good hiking or good beach, you know? So uh, it's pretty nice out here. Can't beat it, man. Can't beat it. So give me, give me some background on, you know, your history with the BMX sport and what got you into that and what brought you out to North Carolina in the first place and just kind of give me some some foundation, man. Yeah, for sure. So, I grew up on Cape Cod, Massachusetts and like most kids there, you get into playing, you know, team sports, Little League especially. Baseball is massive there. Um, even softball for the, uh, you know, the older crowd like my dad always has been playing softball since I can remember. But, you know, I, I was playing uh, primarily baseball and basketball up until about my sophomore year of high school and along the way, you know, I was, you know, 10, 11 or so, got a skateboard, rollerblades, went to the skate parks with some friends and started noticing, you know, bike riders, you know, riding the ramps too and um, dabbled, you know, with some Kmart or Toys R Us bikes at the time. Nothing really made for BMX, but I saw it uh, on X Games one year and I saw Dave Muir and Ryan Nyquist and I was just hooked. And for my 13th uh, Christmas, which my birthday is like a month before, so it was like a combined gift. I got a, my first BMX bike and it just took over, you know, it, it became such like a interesting hobby and like means of transportation and escape from any kind of negativity in my life to a passion to where it took over. And I quit playing, you know, team sports about sophomore year of high school. But at the same time, I was going to a technical high school for landscaping and I was working landscaping and it, um, it, 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 it allowed me to you know, do what I love and started, you know, doing well in the competition series. But then also I was working landscaping and I was going to school two weeks academics, two weeks of work, uh, come my middle way of sophomore year. So it was like a, this co-op program that worked out really well. And I was using the money to travel for all these amateur contests, uh, eventually led into pro contests, you know, around the country. And there was an ultimatum for my boss one day. He was like, Hey, Josh, you know, I'm proud of all your work, your success, but Hey man, you're one of my main guys. Uh, I need you here. And at this time I was taking a truck and trailer, you know, 16 foot trailer with two mowers and all the, you know, all the tools and run my own, you know, line of accounts for him and, uh, you know, learning about the business end from him in that school. And he was just like, man, I, I need you here. So you got to pick, is it going to be a BMX or is it going to be working for me? And, you know, with all that being said, he was also setting me up to be able to take over my own business one day, like he did with the other guys I worked with that were a little bit older. And at the time it was a no brainer. I was just like, man, like I thought like I'm 17, I have this opportunity to pursue a dream of mine. And, Although I'm being set up for, you know, what I call the almighty American dream, like I can always go back to school later on. I can, you know, go back to work, whatever it may be, but BMX is pretty brutal and I can't be 30 or 40 trying to like get into this, you know, initially. So told him, you know, thanks man, but, uh, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to take this route with BMX and, uh, I'm not sure where it's going to go, but I do know if I want a shot, I got to. I got to take in, I got to be with the best R riding the best ramps. And so my, my parents actually supported me in dropping out of high school and moving 13 hours South to Greenville, North Carolina to train with Dave Mira. 
and the other pros. And that's just, that's kind of how the journey started was just that vision I had for my life. And I wasn't really worried about anything else. Man, I, I freaking love it. Like this is like you hear stories like this and it just sparks this, you know, huge wave of creativity in you and it gets you fired up to go do something with your life. So how old were you this time? Your your high school? So what, 17 you said? Yeah, I was, I was uh, 17. So I, I was late for my, uh, my grade. I was supposed to graduate the next year. Um, so yeah, I was 17 when I left. And then you basically, you know, could pick between following your, your passion. Because I'm assuming landscaping probably wasn't your passion. It was just a, a good productive outlet to, as a way to make money, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I enjoyed it. I mean, that's ultimately why I decided to go to a technical high school for it as well. And I still enjoy, you know, being outside and like mowing the lawn and doing like, you know, trimming and stuff like that. Like I really enjoy it, but yeah, it definitely wasn't a passion. It just was a something I enjoyed that made really decent money for how old I was and allowed me to do or fulfill my passion of BMX actually. And there was absolutely zero hesitation in your decision to, to go the BMX route? Yeah. Back then there was, there was no thought of risk or, you know, there was so much uncertainty, but I wasn't thinking about it. And I was, you know took a very unconventional route. I mean, even today, it's still very unconventional. And I don't think there's any guaranteed success, um, path of success in today's society anyway, you know, any, any more really. Um, but yeah, there was no doubt. It was just, let's see how it goes. You know, I had the thought in my mind that if it doesn't work out, I could always go back to school later on. You know, I could always get a job later on. But that's really what, what helped me was just, you know, there's options later on. So let's focus on what I want now and see how it goes. Yeah, especially at, at that young age, man. I mean, at, at 17 years old, like you can pretty much like spend the next 10 years screwing up things and then still have time to make up for it, you know? Yeah, 100%, you know, for sure. I'm impressed that your your folks were so supportive though, man. That's that's awesome. You know, a lot of a lot of folks definitely err on the side of, you know, just sure sureness when it comes to like career paths and for them to be in full support of you going to be a extra, that, that speaks highly of them. Yeah, no, and I think, you know, I, I've always appreciated the way my parents have raised me. They always instilled like hard work. You know, if you want something, you got to work for it and you got to sustain it by hard work. And so they saw that I was putting that work in and they, they saw I was capable of holding a job and, you know, making money doing that and supporting myself, you know. I, but at the same time, they saw this passion in me. And like, you know, it's not just like any other passion that doesn't require getting beat up physically. Like, to get up after, you know, at that age of the slams I was taking and the injuries I was overcoming, you know, they saw it that the hard work was instilled and that I'd be successful one way or another and that I'd figure it out. And um, I think it was uh, like five years ago, I think my dad stopped telling me to, you know, you, you got a plan B, you know, in there anywhere. And like, <laughs> he stopped telling me, he's like, yeah, so it seems like you, um, you got things, you know, undercover, you always, you know, make things work and you're on this new path now with your life. And proud of you so the uh, the plan b conversation kind of went away but at the beginning yeah i couldn't be more stoked i mean my parents are always driving me around the country too to contests and lugging my bike in their car or their truck and just bringing me to the skate parks before i had a license and stuff too so they've always been nothing but supportive and like i said like they they saw it too like the hard work was there so the success would come one way or another whether it was bmx or something else and ironically bmx was successful and it's led me to other areas of success and um so yeah they're, they're uh I have nothing but love and respect for them and all that they've done for me. It's awesome, man. Truly awesome. Dive into BMX because I am totally ignorant when it comes to the support of BMX. I mean, I I don't know anything about bike riding or skateboards or any of that stuff. The the the, the amount that I know about that is the equivalent of what I learned after watching Lords of Dogtown. So that's that's my <laughs> total experience with it. Yeah. So when I say BMX, people typically think racing because and racing has been in the Olympics for the 
past three Olympics, I believe. But uh, BMX, mm-hmm. specifically what I ride is like the X Games type stuff. It's so, like the ramps, you know, the dirt jumps. Um, you know, I don't really ride the street too much uh, after having knee surgery a couple of years. It's just, it's not as pleasant to land flat uh, on the ground. But uh, yeah, so I, I ride BMX, uh, what we call freestyle. So, you know, think of backflips and tail whips and spinning and all that good stuff. And um, it's definitely uh, an interesting, interesting sport. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was looking at some of your Instagram videos prior to the call and it's just like, like it's just crazy, man. Like you're only in the air for, you know, a matter of seconds, but what you're able to accomplish movement wise in that short time frame, it's just impressive, man. It's, it's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. It's amazing. Like the last couple of years, I've been really like conscious of that, like two to three seconds in the air, depending on which ramp we're on and what we do and think and to be able to correct things before we land. Like it's pretty phenomenal. And you know, I get nerdy. I try talking to the younger kids about it and they're like, ah, who cares? <laughs> like, all right. But, uh, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty profound. And I think it's just a matter of time before that piece of our sport kind of like gets more into the, you know, the audience and like, they understand like, man, this is like, this isn't just kids doing tricks. Like this is like, these are like adults and kids, of course too, but like, these are adults that are very calculated. Like they take care of themselves. It's a sport, you know, and like, it's crazy what we can do. And we don't even think about it. It's just, you know, just subconscious now. We just do it and it works out. And if it doesn't, we reassess and move forward. So so how long have you been in this total? How old are you now? Uh, I just turned 30 in November. So I've been riding 17 years now on a BMX bike. And you, you mentioned that you had had knee surgery? Yeah. So, 2000, so March of 2013, I was three months out of having gamma knife radio treatment for the reoccurring brain tumors that I was diagnosed with. And I was at a contest, a little, a little too much hype. I, we filmed the video after gamma knife, letting people know I was okay and I wasn't going anywhere. And I like, I put out at the time, one of my best videos and it was the most viewed on the BMX sites. And I had a lot of hype going to this contest and I got a little excited and did something I probably should, didn't need to do at that moment. And I just, my weight got off a little bit and I put my foot out and the way I landed it, my foot on the transition of the ramp, it, caught my foot, my right foot turned it away from me and then went behind me and I looped out on my bike and sat on it. And I just, um, you know, ACL was gone, meniscus. And then the injury report was like eight other things because I rode on it for two years without getting surgery done. <laughs> mm. yeah. Is that the biggest injury you've had from the BMX riding? Um, I, yeah, I believe yeah, if you were to look at it like the gnarliest injury and surgery I've gone through from BMX, it would be that. Uh, Pain-wise, it would be a broken rib, which was just uh, about a, like last spring. That was terrible, and that was not even a fraction of uh, how damaging blowing out my knee was. But that that sucked. Because I'm, I'm I'm like looking at these these moves you're doing, and I'm assuming you know I'm I'm trying to imagine the transition from you know not knowing how to do a single trick to doing all these crazy tricks that you're doing. And I mean, there's got to be a lot of, a lot of falls and mistakes in that time. Oh yeah. A lot of injuries. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, and that's what people see the tricks and they don't see the the path leading to that trick. But um, that's what I, I really love about BMX. It's like, it teaches you, like, if you fall down, get up and you try again, if you want to do something like it doesn't come easy. Some stuff comes easier than others. Some, you know, of course, like any aspect of life, but what, what I reflect on now, you know, last couple of years is like the the life skills BMX has taught me about failure and it really being a choice to view it as failure or not. Like, because in BMX, you know, it's taken me years to learn certain tricks and then to perfect them even longer. Some tricks I've never been able to do successfully just, you know, and that's where self-awareness comes in. It just wasn't working. But 
the ability to fall and hit the ground in this case and feel pain, but to be able to have something internally to tell you like, all right, let's get up, let's try again because you want to do something. And then the feeling of accomplishing it, it just set this, uh, this like tone for life. Like there is no failure, you know, it's a perspective choice. And for us, we just look at it as information and I love calling it like, you know, there's no failures. It's just data, but you're going to choose to see it that way. You just, you know, with a trick gone wrong, you just reverse engineer what happened and what you didn't do correctly. Or, you know, BMX is great because people will share like, oh, this works for me. I see you're, you're struggling with it. Try this. And you just look at it for what it is and reverse engineer it and move forward. And hopefully you get it and sooner than later. And then that applies to life too. I love it. I love it. It's, it's interesting. Like, I, like I'm a bodybuilder, so I, I take every skill that I learned from bodybuilding. I'm able to find a way to apply that to my own life. But I mean, I could definitely see how the same would be true for, you know, BMX or any other sport really. But so when you had these injuries, like when you had like the, the rib, the broken rib or like the, the knee that got blown out, when you get back on the bike and you're going through these, you know, hard, hard to maneuver moves again, do you have any hesitation? Like, is there like any fear or just like you favor that injury at all? Cause I would assume like if, you know, with only a couple seconds there, you pretty much have to go all in on the move and totally commit to it. And if there's any holding back, then you risk obviously not completing the movement and then further injury. So how do you, how do you force yourself mentally to, you know, know that you've had that pain, had that injury, don't obviously want to get injured again, commit to the movement without holding back. Yeah. And like you, you noted, like it's, um, it's mental, you know, BMX, um, I think any sport, specifically action sports, it's more mental than skill. And so coming off an injury, you know, there's that, that piece of fear, you know, like, oh man, I don't want to do that again. I don't want to hurt this, but specifically the area, um, of like where you injured for me, that hasn't really been an issue. Uh, I'd say maybe at all or long-term with certain injuries. So like the rib, for example, once the pain was gone, like once I was able to ride and it wasn't sore anymore, it wasn't like, Oh, I, I hope I don't hit my rib again. It was the trick that did it. Ironically was a trick that I've been doing for like 10 years. And I just had one of those slip ups. And so that trick on that specific ramp took me a minute to get over the fear. But you know, the first thing you gotta do is you gotta, <laughs> you gotta tackle that fear and get it done. So, um, that's what I did. But then let's say, um, blowing up my knee, that coming back from that surgery was, and everyone told me before the surgery too, like ACL is like all mental, like majority of people that don't get back to hundred percent, it's because either they didn't do the rehab appropriately or keep up with it, but then also because they get scared of hurting it. So I worked really hard through the prehab that we did before surgery and then the rehab process to know that I'm doing what I can to take care of it. You know, I'm getting these checkups. I'm working with athletic trainers, um, one which actually is my girlfriend now. Uh, but then I'm doing what I know I need to be doing to take care of this knee and keep it strong. And ultimately, that's the reason people have issues with coming out of that surgery is because they're, you know, their knees weak. And so I was actually at a point where I started riding and doing tricks again, where I actually put my foot out again. And then I, I thought about it after and I was like, Oh, I just put my foot out. Everything's great. We're, we're good. But like, I was scary. Um, so it mm -hmm. just depends on, um, you know, the situation. Cause like I blew out my knee doing something that wasn't really a trick. It was like a transfer at a park from one section to another. So I think that helped, but yeah, with the broken rib, it was mostly the trick itself. And then coming out of brain surgery and then getting back to riding, that was a whole nother game. Cause that was just everything. Like even normal life, I was afraid of bumping my head, like, especially during the recovery process, which I did a couple of times, but, and I was fine, but 
riding in general after that was really insane because I had to learn balance again. I had to learn body awareness and I had to learn where I was in space spinning and flipping. And that took a minute, but that was mostly just, you know, the obvious uh, brain effects, but then also the mentality that took me a good while to get confidence. And even the tricks I was doing again to be conf- like comfortable and confident in them moving forward. Let's, let's dive into the, the, the brain surgery and whatnot. So that happened. So, so when did all this come about? Like when, when did you notice or how did you notice uh, the first tumor? And then what, what did you kind of like, what was the transition there? So March of 2010, I fell and hit my head riding and had to get an MRI. Leading up to that point, about a good year or so, I'd gone to the emergency room and urgent care multiple times. Friends had to drive me. It was so bad from these debilitating migraines and headaches that would actually make me throw up, vision problems, and just classic brain tumor symptoms. And so that was a year. And they kept telling me, oh, you're young, you're healthy, you're fit, you're an athlete. You just have headaches. It's normal. A lot of people have headaches. Here's some pain pills. Come back if you need more. I didn't really take them because I had a traumatic experience throwing up when I was younger because my stomach, I guess, doesn't settle well with them. The last time I went in, I actually took them because it was so bad and they're telling me I'm fine. I was like, all right, well, screw it. I'll take them. And uh, luckily I wasn't driving. I projectile vomited in the car, uh, the passenger side, and we had to pull over. And then it was so bad that blood started coming out where it was just blood. And I thought for the first time in my life, I was literally dying. And so that was a fun experience. (laughs) But uh, moving forward. Just from the pain pills alone? Yeah, it just, they, my body doesn't do well with them. And I, you know, thankfully didn't have to take any after knee surgery, which was crazy, which I, you know, um, give diet a hundred percent credit to that. And then even the broken rib, I like forced my, my way through it. Yeah. I got different friends and family members that have had issues with them. And I just, unless I'm like in a life or death situation, I need them. I was like, I'm not trying to take them. But I think because they triggered that response for me to throw up and then it just kept coming it just uh, I later found out those blood vessels that burst along the the way that that's why it was you know there was nothing but blood coming out, but at the time I didn't know that. Man. So yeah, that was pretty intense. You make me never want to take Advil again. <laughs> well, I think Advil's a little different. I mean, depending on the dosage, yeah. but I think these were like really high grade Percocets at the time, so it was a little a little different. But um, yeah, so that was uh, the year leading up to March 2010. Hit my head. Now I had to get an MRI. So before they're denying me, you know, I'm asking for x-ray, CAT scan, MRI, like anything, just look at my brain. And they kept saying, no, you don't need it. And you know, the earth doctor, okay, cool. I don't need it. Um, so that fall really saved my life because had I not hit my head that day, I'd possibly be dead right now because no one ever looked at my brain. They just kept throwing pain pills at me. And so going into that follow-up after the MRI, you know, at this point I just turned 21 a couple months prior. I'm sitting there by myself, you know, I'm just waiting on a report for an MRI. Didn't think anything twice, you know, just, just chilling. Doctor comes in. Hey, Josh, we uh, get the MRI report. Uh, no swelling, no bleeding. So the brain checks out there. But uh, and he paused for a good minute and just was like, there's something in your brain that shouldn't be there. And still I'm like, all right, I'm fine. Like, what do you mean? Like, I didn't put anything in there. Like, what, what could possibly be in my brain that shouldn't be there? And then he goes on to say, so it's a, it's a large mass. We don't know if it's benign or cancerous, but we do know if you want a shot at living, you have to have it taken out immediately. You'll probably never ride your bike again, and you'll be struggling to get back to walking and normal day things. But if you do want a shot at living, it has to come out now. And yeah, everything just you know shut down. Um, time stood still. Like I had that out-of-body experience where I just like was like, this isn't real, but it is. And I'm watching it and I'm a part of it. Like, this is my own horror movie that I'm the star. And like, it's crazy. 
the best way I can word it was just felt broken, you know, so many emotions, so many thoughts, so many fears, so many what ifs, like who am like, what did I do to deserve this? Am I a bad person? Like, how can this like, the, you know, and I, I just thought, honestly, I just thought I was dead. Didn't care if it was benign cancer. I had no idea about either of those words or, you know, being told you have a brain tumor. It's like, man, I'm dead. You know, like that's initially what I thought. Did it hit you then instantly when he told you or did you have to like, like were you like almost in denial until you like got home and had some time to digest it? Oh, no, it came on right away after he, you know, followed it up with, you know, the riding portion, the walking and all that stuff. It just, it, it came on. And they, I remember they were like him and the nurses were, they were trying to stop me because I was trying to leave and they were saying things. I don't remember any of that, um, of what they were saying. I just went out and um, went and sat in my truck and then tried to get myself together. And then I, I thought I did. So I called my mom and then it just, it hit me again. I couldn't speak, you know, just bawling my eyes out thinking I'm about to die. And she knows something's wrong. Of course, even before that point, just when I got on the phone with her and I couldn't speak and, um, it just, yeah, it just, it hit me right away. But what's cool is, you know, through the community of BMX, people around the world, whether they had met me or not, they have heard of me or they had just heard my story through interviews that I, I was doing at that point. They reached out before surgery to let me know that they were thinking of me and um, to stay strong and, you know, just love and support. And that on top of my mom's own uh, journey battling colon cancer and being alive and well, and then learning about Lance Armstrong's story, another bike rider, you know, a little different, but someone that went through something in my mind worse than I did and to come back and do what he loves to do, not only that, but when, you know, uh, those three aspects really transformed all that fear and like shock into motivation and fuel to get back to thinking about my vision for my life and to focus on that and to really think like, I'm not ready to go. Like I just started, like I'm, I'm friends now with my childhood hero, Dave Mira. Like I ride with him every day. I compete with him. I travel, like I, I'm, I'm doing what I you know set out to do and it's not like it's about to be taken away from me and I'm going to do whatever I can to not let that happen. And so there was that transition because I think between diagnosis and surgery it was like two or three weeks from what I remember. Mm -hmm. And so it, um, it kind of just, I don't know when, but it just shifted like midway through to where it's like, I mean, BMX is great in this aspect. It's just like, all right, cool. Uh, let's treat it like an injury. So when can I ride again? Like, what do I got to do? I'll do it. And like, let me get back on the bike. That's all I kept thinking about. Wow, man, that's that's crazy. Like, I can't imagine, you know, being told those words and how I would respond. But, I mean, you were 21, you said, right? Yeah, I, I just, that was, so that was March, and I just turned 21 that November before. Mm. And your life's, like, just now picking up steam and momentum. So, I mean, you got, like, the whole world at your fingertips, and to be hit with that news, I mean, oof, that's rough, man. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I just wrote X Games the year before, which was dream come true. I'm you know, now traveling the world to countries I never thought I'd go to, being paid by sponsors and being paid to go on these trips to do demos and film videos and just literally living the dream and some. And it, you know, having, being told like, you're going to die on top of your dreams about to be stripped away first. Like, yeah, it's, it's not something that I want anyone to ever experience. And I mean, that's why I do what I do and I share all I can to help people, one, take a, take a shot at their dreams and then two, you know, be, be empowered to take care of their, their own health, specifically their brain health. But yeah, it's, it's something like, I don't know, like it's so unfathomable, like you can't really understand it unless you've been some, through something like that. And that's what helped me get through it was my mom's story and Lance's story. Like these are people going through something similar, if not worse, and they're okay. So like that really helped set it in. And that's why I share all I can because if even one person takes away from, even if they're not going through a brain tumor or brain cancer, like just an injury or they got dropped from a team or broken up with something. 
like to be able to share and have someone take away positive um, action from that is super important to me. So that's why, that's why I do what I do. And that, that stoic shift in thinking occurred before the actual surgery? Like you said, that two to three week span? Yeah, the transition happened um, like a week or two before surgery, like somewhere in the midpoint of just like, yeah, let's do this. What do I got to do? I'll do it. Like I was looking up YouTube videos of brain surgeries. I was watching one of the, the Saw movies back then. Like they got a scene of him cutting open a brain or a head. And I'm just like, I'm a super curious person. So I was like, let me, let me see what I'm getting into and you know what I got to do to make this happen. Let's do it. I think they use like a circular saw or something. Yeah, that that's a little, there, right? a little unprofessional, but they got it done. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what happened after surgery? What was the, what was it like after that? What was the recovery process? It was like? the first time in like a year and a half that I wasn't in pain, even after the, the meds from the surgery wore off and to wake up and to, you know, uh, in contrast to what I had to sign off of all the wrists, you know, to be able to see, hear, move, um, you know, taste food, like all the basic, you know, um, things that we take for granted in life to have them be a part of my reality, opening my eyes and to see my brother, my mom and dad, some friends, my grandparents, like that was the most amazing feeling ever. And then the recovery process, man, I thought <laughs> best case scenario, I'm not riding my bike for a year. Well, it only takes four weeks for the skull to fuse back together. And I was on my bike in five weeks and no, no problems, no symptoms. They let me out of the hospital. Um, so the surgery was in the morning, woke up in the afternoon. And then I believe uh, two afternoons later, I was on my way home and that was really unheard of. But I think two things, having the, the mentality going into it helped with that, but also being an athlete didn't hurt, you know, being fit and, um, granted my diet wasn't at all any good, but I was still, you know, um, in better health strength wise than before. Um, maybe that helped, but yeah, I just, I was, I was riding five weeks later, man. It was crazy. And I was competing, I think seven or eight weeks after that. And I got eighth place my first contest back in england it was just amazing you know like so so crazy that's insane man what was the what was the actual surgery like like what side of the brain like kind of going into the details on, on what they they did during the so surgery? the scar on my head you can't really see it like um so i went to duke university dr alan friedman did my surgery he was the top neurosurgeon i looked up and found and happened to be an hour and a half west of me at the time where i was living now right down the road uh, which is cool because I found out Dr. Westman is out of Duke. And so I've connected with him recently and been learning as much as I can from him. So it, Duke's awesome. But uh, it, it's so the scar starts just below my hairline and my forehead, which you'd have to really look for, like in the middle of my, my uh, forehead. And then it goes back. And then three quarters of the way back, it starts hooking to my left ear. And the tumor was located on the left side. And it was eight or nine centimeters long by four wide and four deep, which is very large. And Dr. Friedman was like, whoa, I haven't seen one this large in a long time, but obviously he was confident he could get it out. But uh, yeah, so I guess like it was 75 staples, 16 stitches, and they just cut it open, pull the skin back as, as gross as that is. And then they, they you know cut it open and now it's fused back together with uh, four titanium screws. But it was supposed to be four and a half hours long. It took six. And I saw him a couple of years ago and it's crazy how much he remembered, but he was going into all the detail, but because it was wrapped around an artery in my optic nerve, he wanted to be careful. He didn't hit him obviously, because I could have had a stroke, uh, become paralyzed, bled out, died, you know, the list goes on. And so, yeah, after six hours, it was, it was, uh, all, all, uh, all good. Man, there's been absolutely zero adverse symptoms since then no man i i haven't had a headache since I mean, i've had a few headaches but they were mostly because 
obvious reasons hitting my head since, um, you know, so other concussions, which is all obviously one of the reasons why I found my way into keto. Um, and then the only other times I had headaches were I think from like being really dehydrated and having a hard day riding or training. Um, but then, you know, a little bit of salt, mm-hmm. a little bit of water, some food, you know, help fix that. But yeah, no, no, like no side effects from the surgery. Um, and yeah, no, uh, no similar symptoms ever since. What, uh, I had, I had Logan Sneed on my podcast, um, a month or two, two back and he, he had a brain tumor as well, had that removed. Um, and I asked him a similar question to what I'm going to ask you now, which is basically, you know, here you are, you've been told that you're, you, you're pretty much going to die from this unless you get it removed immediately. Your whole life, as you know, it's been turned upside down. You're not going to ride again. You're going to be lucky if you can walk normally again. And here you are performing and competing again and getting eighth place within, you know, a matter of weeks post-surgery. What, what does that do to your, like, outlook on life now that you've gone through that tra- kind of traumatic, you know, experience to, to now? Like, do you totally see things differently than you used to before mm-hmm. this was even a thing? Yeah. And uh, first, yeah, Logan, he's, uh, he's amazing. Him and I have been uh, fortunate enough to connect and become friends now. And so uh, definitely appreciate his story. We have a lot of commonalities with our stories and our journeys as well. So that's rad. Um, but the, I think the most important thing that this experience has shown me is that perspective is everything. It's all a matter of how we view the world and the events that happen in our lives and then what we take away from it. So gratitude was key. Like I could have easily gone down, you know, the victim mentality route and felt sorry for myself and given up. And I don't think anyone would ever have judged, you know, and uh, people still are like, man, it's crazy. You do what you do. Like given, you know, all your circumstances, yeah, it's just a choice, but understanding gratitude and to be alive and to have the opportunity to try and preserve my life via surgery. And then later on, you know, other things I've learned, I think that was key. And then the other things I believe about life is that our reality is just a manifestation of our choices. And that choice is perspective. Every day we're faced with opportunities to see the world one way or another, you know, glass half empty or glass half full. It doesn't matter if anything, you know, quote unquote bad or good happens to you. It's ultimately what you take away from it. And so, like I said earlier, I just look at things as, you know, information or data and we collect it every day and we make the choices to move forward. I mean, and not every day is going to be perfect. Not every day is going to be, you know, all, you know, happy and smiles. You know, we're, we're human. We have the ups and the downs. It's the only way uh, I think it's possible to have good or bad is to have the opposite. So it's just really a matter of understanding that and then choosing how you want to move forward. And I believe that I had to go through what I went through to see that. I think I was living a life where I call on self rather than on purpose. Uh, purpose is in what I want to set out to do with my life. And it was ultimately to escape a negative childhood from one, an abusive stepfather and two, people saying no. And then three, I wanted to live my dreams. And so that was my motivation and my fuel moving forward. It was like a lot of anger and spite to prove people wrong. And it wasn't about, you know, um, anyone else that was involved. It was, you know, partially to, you know, make my family proud, but it was mostly selfish. And so going through that experience taught me there's more to life about my own hopes and dreams and my own self. There's other people. And so one of my best friends has shared this quote that uh, uh, an old uh, boss had uh, asked him one day. And it's like, hey, are you on self or are you on purpose? And so I've really taken to that. And I believe that that experience of being told you're going to die, it doesn't matter what it was from, but being told that really helped shift my mentality and my mindset to 
being more on on purpose. And of course, it took many years later on and two more brain tumor diagnoses and multiple injuries and other obstacles in life to really get clear on that purpose. Um, but I don't think uh, it would have changed unless that happened. And I mean, you know, we don't know because that's how it worked, but I don't believe that everyone needs something so catastrophic in their life to show them that. I think it is a choice and that's what ultimately I've learned. But I do think I needed to go through that. Otherwise, I would have kept on the same path, had that, oh, it must be nice for this and that person mentality or, you know, I always get screwed on things, but really, you know, um, you know, I mean, adding self-awareness to the equation too. Like I've just learned so many things from it that I don't think would have been the case had I not gone through that. I completely agree, man. Like self-awareness and perspective are absolutely key. And, and I agree that I don't think everybody needs to go through like a catastrophic event to be able to, you know, have these same sensations and, and thought processes. But at the same time, going through something so young, it just puts that all in the forefront of your mind and forces you to adapt. And then if you're able to pick up on these traits at such a young age, you're just so much better off for it going forward. Yeah, man, hundred percent. Like, you know, uh, I think that's what Logan and I connect with. We were both like early twenties, like 21. I think he was 19 or 20, maybe he just turned 20. By the way, like that age, it's taught me so much about life that I feel like if I had gone down that path without that happening and just been whatever, you know, at this point now where I'm in my life, I wouldn't have, you know, obviously nearly as much experience in life, but then also uh, perspective and education around, you know, the mind and stuff. So, um, yeah, I definitely think going through that early on, you know, and other things, you know, I think, like I said, BMX and injuries, like from a young age, you know, learning to pick yourself up and, you know, move forward, you know, it helps set me up for that brain tumor diagnosis and to have the the confidence I could get over it. But yeah. If it wasn't for that, I don't know where I'd be. So that's why I'm extremely grateful for BMX. But most importantly, like that day I hit my head, like people say all the time, like, that's got to be the worst thing ever happened to you. And I'm like, no, like one that saved my life and the brain tumor it just led me on a path of purpose and, you know, ultimately, you know, helping others through trying to help myself. Like this journey started in 2010 to help myself and prevent that occurrence. But then also now I'm just trying to share the love and help people you know, live their dreams or be as healthy, happy, and successful as they possibly can. I appreciate that, man. That's that's a wor a life worth living right there. Because then, I mean, you're you're paying it forward and you're helping inspire other people in in ways. I mean, it, it's sad that it would take something like that to happen to you for others' eyes to be open. But since that has happened to you, you can leverage it and impact so many more people. You know? Yeah, man, a hundred percent. And it's just that belief of it's a choice. You know, good or bad. You know, you choose what you want to do moving forward with it. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. What uh, what have you changed since then? You know, apart from the the mindset shift, obviously. But like, have you made any changes to the way you train or the way you diet or just anything else? Uh, so training that was never really a thing, and it wasn't even after the brain tumor diagnosis. I looked at BMX as my form of exercise. I learned quickly after blowing up my knee that that's not the case, and uh, so that that experience is like you know I say like nutrition came first for me fitness came second and then the mind came last in consciousness but all, the whole time i was developing the mindset but i believe mindset comes first um and then you know closely there or even is nutrition and fitness of course but for me fitness was because i blew up my knee that year and then um a year and a half later before, right before i got the mri which happened because i tweaked my knee again and decided to finally get the mri and surgery uh, a friend of mine who was like a personal trainer was like hey man like let's go to the gym let's work on it like work on these other things that you're not using while riding. And then I saw a lot of success with it and I got you know really into it. 
And then at the end of that summer in 2015, you know, I, I tweaked my knee, had to get the MRI. And then I was like, all right, let's go through it. You know, my uh, girlfriend now at the time, she's like trying to convince me about it. She's talking to me about different graph types and things. And I'm like sharing with her nutrition, all this high fat, low carb stuff. And we're just, you know, having a good time. And I was like, all right, I'll get the surgery if I can get it done before Thanksgiving this year. So November 10th, 2015 is when I had the surgery and the prehab got me even more interested in uh, fitness, you know, learning all these different things and um, really just seeing the benefits. I was able to still ride. I, I don't think many people have the opportunity with an ACL tear, but I was still able to ride and train. So I got really into it. And then uh, rehab for almost four months was just six days a week. All I could do, you know, I, I don't have a job, you know, I'm paying the bills from BMX. And at this time I wasn't even doing the health coaching or anything like that. I was just strictly riding off sponsor salaries and then demos and my money saved up. So all I have to do is read, watch TV shows, which I get stir crazy. So I don't even, I, I don't even do that that often. And then rehab. And uh, her name is Jackie. Mm -hmm. She was like, yeah, you have to take at least one day off from social media, reading, you know, rehab, uh, emails, like all that stuff. I'm just like, take the day to do nothing. So six days a week, as much as I could, I was in there doing rehab, bugging her because they were in house at the park at the time. And then I stopped going to physical therapy because I, I don't know, they had me so far behind. I think they were like babying me, but, um, you know, I was working with my athletic trainers and so I was moving forward, but yeah, I just, all I did was rehab and then just study, you know, the different books and things I was learning. And then the nutrition piece that came right after brain surgery, that was a documentary on Netflix. A friend sent to me while I was recovering in the, uh, the mid to end year of, uh, well, I was, getting, I, was at, I was back riding at this point, but he sent this documentary to me, you know, mid to end of uh, 2010 that just, it put the information so easily for me to digest. It was simple. And I was just like, all right, so maybe, uh, maybe I could. What documentary was it? Uh, it was Food Matters and I haven't watched it in years. So mm -hmm. I don't even know if I agree with what they were saying hundred uh, percent, but the way they put the information just clicked for me and I was like, all right, so drinking alcohol at a young age and not sleeping much and partying is probably not great. Um, eating processed foods and all this stuff, like stuff I knew. And I think most society knows is bad, but they don't have the underlying reason of why. So they don't, in my case, they don't care. Um, it's just fuel. I'm in shape. Mm -hmm. You know, doctors say I'm, I'm healthy. I'm pro athlete, like screw it. But that documentary clicked and more so fear like, Oh, maybe I caused the brain tumor and maybe I don't want it to come back. So I started making changes and, uh, you know, the second diagnosis was in 2012 and which I went through gamma knife to shrink them, which they shrunk for four years and now they're stable. And that got me really interested in more, learning more and making even more changes. Cause I was still drinking a couple of days a week, you know, with the boys and, you know, we're all riding early morning and then, you know, party at night. So that's just what we were doing. So I, I kind of stopped doing that after the second diagnosis. And then uh, it was like end of 2013, a friend of mine gave me Dr. Perlmutter's book, Grain Brain. And that's where my life changed dramatically in the terms of nutrition and brain health. And it just sparked this passion for learning about this blood sugar piece and how it correlates to uh, our health or directly affects our health of our brain. And then, man, like that just, I went to uh, the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, the start of 2014 uh, to learn more, but ultimately learn how to share the information. And then Dr. Mark Hyman and then Mark Sisson were in that program as guest speakers. And then that's just where the high fat, low carb thing took off even further and led me to keto. I love it, man. Where, where did the, like, what, what triggered the 
the second diagnosis, like, were you having symptoms and, and got that? Or it was just like a routine checkup or how'd they find that? Yeah, it was just a routine MRI. So this was uh, September 2012. So like a little over two, maybe yeah, like almost two and a half years after the brain surgery. And uh, yeah, they just showed two areas on the same side had grown back, one in the front, one in the rear of the brain. And uh, Dr. Friedman said it was that complication of the artery and optic nerve piece of the, the tumor, you know? And so he's like, man, mm -hmm. like, it's just regrowth, you know, it's residual cell growth. Like I couldn't get it all because, you know, the symptoms that I talked or the uh, risks I talked about earlier, like stroke, paralysis, death. Uh, uh, but he's like, you know, it's going to be the same situation. So with surgery, that is. So surgery is out of question. I look into to radiation and I knew my mom had gone through that and didn't like it, was ignorant to it, you know, as uh, and I just was like, man, there's got to be another way. So I did some research with a friend on Google and that's when I found Gamma Knife and despite the name there it's non-invasive outpatient procedure and uh the best way i can word it it's like so you go into like an mri same same like structure and you know uh, system whatever but there's no sound and then they use 180 degrees of radio waves and they pinpoint the location to treat with a computer so that you don't feel anything and um I drove, uh, that was at Boston at Tufts Medical Center when I had that done in November, 2012. And I drove 12, 13 hours back to North Carolina that day with a friend. So, um, very wow. grateful for that. But <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, out of ignorance to radiation and to the desire to not want to have radiation. I found that. And that, that basically that, that shrinks the tumor growth instantly or how does that work? Yeah. So best case scenarios, they shrink and then they become stable. Um, majority of the cases, they just stabilize and people can live their life. And so I didn't have any symptoms before or after the MRI found it. That's why I'm really big on people getting medical imaging if they think that they have a problem. Cause I mean, my story, you know, if I didn't get that MRI, thanks to hitting my head, I'd be dead. So, um, yeah, I just, majority of people just stable, you know, the, the tumors become stable and then they go on the rest of their life, get some checkups and, you know, a small percentage of them, uh, come back or don't take to the treatment. And those are like the more malignant type of tumors. So mm -hmm. yeah, I, I lucked out, you know, best case scenario that the two tumors shrunk uh, for about four years and then have now become stable. That's awesome. And then you kind of just went on the rabbit hole of nutrition, how that impacts your brain health, found keto, and now you've been just strict keto ever since? Yeah, I wouldn't say strict keto. It started out, yeah, so ProMoto's work and the, I, I read uh, his sequel, uh, Brain Maker. And then in the, the, the IAN school, I found Mark Sisson and then it was like, 2016, like at the like the fall of 2016, I was on a, a twelve or a twelve day tour with a buddy of mine who had found Dave Asprey's work in Bulletproof, and was like, "Man, you gotta try this coffee. Like, this is cool and all this stuff." And I was like, "Oh, that tastes pretty good." At this time, I started implementing coffee just because of Probiner's work, black. And I'm like, hey, "I'm not really a fan of this." And I started to enjoy it enough, and I started um, a friend of mine who is like super into paleo and CrossFit. Another pro rider was like, "Hey, man, put some coconut oil there and stir it up, and it gives it a little bit more of a sweeter flavor." And um, cause I wasn't doing, you know, any milk or anything or ever thought about throwing butter in there. So, um, you know, my friend, he got me introduced to Bulletproof and I started trying the coffees and I was like, this is pretty cool. And I ended up reading the book and Grain Brain actually talks like a page and a half or two pages about keto, but like not anything that grabbed my attention or like showed me how to implement it. So then Dave's book, you know, I didn't follow the diet he has in there, but I just started like taking what I was learning from Perlmutter and then Mark Sisson and then. Uh, you know, Asprey. And then that end of that year, beginning of 2017, I picked up Mark's book, um, Keto Reset Diet. And I forget the timeline when that came out to when I read it, but that really helped me implement 
ketogenic diet and lifestyle. But what really was the base of that motivation was February 2017, another routine MRI showed two new masses on the opposite side of my brain now. And so that's what like freaked me out. And then everything I was learning about keto then, you know, I was just like, man, I need to learn more, but I also need to make changes. Cause at that time, you know, I'm doing high fat, low carb, but low carb for me was like still like 50 to hundred grams of carbs a day from things like sweet potatoes mm -hmm. and, and then berries and you know, all that stuff. And so making the shift wasn't too difficult. It was just the awareness, understanding, and then ultimately how to implement it. But it, yeah, it started in 2017 um, and it was because of that third diagnosis. And it was because they told me they thought it was genetic um, and that the genetic disorder that I, they think I have also creates spinal cord tumors. So thankfully, I just have the four brain tumors, which um, people laugh at when I say that because it's an interesting perspective piece because I could have spinal cord tumors and not be able to ride. But, um, but yeah, that's ultimately what got me into keto and then moving forward, you know, I've learned a lot, had a lot of ups and downs and like mistakes and, you know, of course, but, um, yeah, today, I mean, I pretty much, uh, strict keto, like, um, pretty much this whole year, you know? So <laughs> that's crazy, man. So, so, so what, uh, what was the current situation on the, the new tumors on the other side of the brain? So, so that was February, 2017 with a third diagnosis and then implemented keto the best I could that year. Um, never tested. So I don't know what I was really, you know, in or out. Um, I do know fasting has always been a, the last couple of years has been really interesting for me because I hated like eating first thing in the morning. Um, so I do know, like I was dipping mm -hmm. in and out. I had to have been, especially with my training, but, um, it was, yeah, I think, uh, that year and then moving. So, so that was February, I got the scan and then. December, I think end of December, I got another follow-up and then they showed no progression of the two tumors, the two new tumors. The other ones are still stable. And so that's when I was like, man, like even these basic changes I've been making and, you know, hopefully I'm doing this thing right, showed some success uh, because they didn't grow back, you know, and that could be a tribute to anything really. But the only major shift I made was taking my diet to the next level of trying to follow this ketogenic piece. And, you know, I started learning more about the epigenetic effects and inflammatory effects and, you know, internal detox systems. And I was like, man, like they don't, they don't think it's cancerous. They tested the original one and it was benign. And I actually asked Dr. Dom on a Facebook live with metabolic health summit about benign tumors, specifically with keto. And he shared that there wasn't much out there yet, specifically for the meningioma type of tumor that I live with. But I was putting these, you know, inflammatory and epigenetic effect, you know, pieces together. And I was like, maybe that's what's doing it. So, um, moving forward 2018, it just, now it's just a part of my life. And I don't, I, people ask me, like, don't you miss this and that? I'm like, I mean, of course it sounds good. It probably tastes good in the moment, but I do know it's not worth the, the, uh, risk in my health. And there's times where I'll indulge here and there, but it's like months in between. And I have protocols set in place now that I know how to like lead up to it and what to do after. And, Honestly, like I enjoy the liberation and empowerment of this way of eating that I just, it's, you know, something I'm passionate about and a way of life. But at the end of the day, you know, it's not a hundred percent. I don't think anyone can ever be a hundred percent all the time unless you have specific, you know, motivations. And my motivation is just to take care of my brain health the best I can. But that also includes that mental piece. So if I'm like, you know, at, like at Thanksgiving, you know, with my dad and his side of the family and they got some, they know I love pumpkin. So they get a pumpkin pie and I'm like, all right, I'll have a piece. But I also had some exogenous ketones in my water at the same time and did a fast the next day and tested my levels and I was back. So it's all good. No, that's, that's cool, man. I would have to think, you know, like your motivations for doing the keto diet obviously are 
much different from somebody that's, you know, just trying to lose weight or whatever else is out there. But I mean, it's like, if I, if I had like the, you know, the brain tumors and I was trying to stay on top of my diet, like the, the idea of, you know, totally going off track just to simply indulge on a regular occurring basis is just totally (laughs) foreign to me. So knowing that you're doing everything you can and, 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 improving your current state i mean that's that's where the the reward is you know that's that's what's fulfilling that so keep doing that man i mean keep killing it on all fronts of life because you're not only improving your own health but i mean you're you're making an impact and you're illustrating to others what's possible and that's uh, that's that's huge yeah, man. <clears throat> and i appreciate that and i know i've listened to um, interviews of you talking about you know how many years you've been strict keto and things and it's just yeah, it's, it's, it's just an amazing thing. And to be able to share it with other people and like, we're, we're like family now. Like, um, you know, I, I started working with him and his mom as a client uh, at the beginning of the year, just they wanted guidance of how to implement this piece. They've been following me for a while. They've been learning on their own, but they're just like, where do we start? And so, you know, I, like all my clients let them know I'm not a doctor, or medical professional, but you know, I, I can help in this area. And he went from three to five seizures a day with no luck with drugs or surgeries for like two years to now it's like weeks he goes without having one seizure and they're not as uh, severe or as long in duration so to be able to have an impact on someone's life like that is is like i don't know how to put into words like there's there's no better feeling than someone saying thank you and then saying like you potentially help save my life and that's you know for him you know his name's miles and like miles is like perspective on this is like it's this way or no other way like He's not going to mess with indulging mm-hmm. because if he does, he's even had a little bit of sugar and something he didn't know before and it triggered a seizure. So like we went out to dinner a couple of weeks ago when I was back home for Thanksgiving because he's actually, we found out he's like 30 minutes from where I grew up. Um, we went to dinner and we made sure we talked to the the waiter or the waitress about the, the meal and just making sure there was no like sugars and this or that and um, explain because it, it could signal uh, a seizure in me. So for him, it's just, it's just his new way of life and there's no other route. Um, but you know, for someone like myself, it's just, uh, 99% of the time it's what I'm doing. And you know, I, um, that's what I love about, uh, Dr. Lowry and uh, even Mark Sisson, they talk about this. It's like, it's about enjoying your life too. So unless you have a severe case like cancer or epilepsy or something like that, like there is time and place for once in a while, if that's what you want to do, you know? So that's just kind of how I live my life is like 99% of the time, you know, which is when I'm at home and on the road, like the best I can do what I can. And then if there's a time, a couple times a year where I want to like have a piece of cheesecake, not the whole cheesecake, like I would have done in the past, like it's not going to be detrimental yeah. to, to my health and my goals. So it's all good. I love it, man. So what, what, uh, speaking of goals, like what's in the pipeline for you? Like, what do you have going forward? What are you excited about? Uh, I'm excited just to learn more and to be a part of this community. You know, I've created relationships now like with Metabolic Health Summit. So I'm actually going to be performing and uh, potentially speaking while I'm out there and just attending the four-day event to soak up whatever I can. But um, just like like what we're doing right now to have these conversations, to to make these friends and connections and to continue sharing, you know, uh, that's, that's what's most uh, exciting to me. And then beyond that, you know, goal-wise, it's just uh, to continue with that and continue educating myself. Um, but then, you know, I'm, I'm year one now with having a successful health coaching business, working with multiple clients and helping them, you know, change the way they look at food and life in general, but also getting them the results that, you know, a handful of them have said like, Hey man, like I was looking at death, like before I hit you up, like the doctor told me, you know, and so some of them able to get off their type two diabetes meds, like miles is like having, you know, went from five seizures a day to like one every three weeks or so, like that's that's super um 
important to me and to fulfilling that moving forward as a goal to create an income doing something I know I'm making an impact on the world, but also it's super fulfilling and gratifying and um, just, yeah, part of my purpose. Um, and then thereafter, man, it's just, uh, you know, I've um, been starting to outline and map uh, a book and it's looking like it could be a couple books with different topics and just sharing my life and again, aligning with my mission to, to help support people and just share what I've gone through and uh, maybe uh, change some perspective and ultimately some action in other people's lives. That's uh, that's super huge for me. And then, um, yeah, so I just continue doing everything and evolving and seeing what comes next. But yeah, goals are just continue with the health coaching business, maybe work into uh, some more corporate workshop type things, which I'm working with some friends that are in that field now and just bringing, you know, what I can provide as value to their mix and, um, you know, the book and more conversations like this, man, like just, just getting the the message out and to let people know, like, I mean, I don't come from, despite coming from Cape Cod, like most, most people think I don't come from money. Like my family struggled. Like I lived out of my car on my own for a little bit, you know, lived on couches and I didn't, I didn't have any, uh, upper hand, like the odds were kind of stacked against me and, you know, uh, different obstacles present present themselves but I'm, I'm no one special i just made a choice and i really want people to understand that so uh, ultimate goal is just to continue serving and supporting people moving forward i'm excited for you man i, I could tell like this is the first time we've spoken but i could tell you're in it for the right reasons and that you know, your your ambitions and goals are pure you know and that's like that that's that's not always the case so to be able to you know communicate with you and talk with you and hear your story i mean it's, it's motivating for me man because it gives me you know, hope and humanity. So <laughs> if there's ever anything I can do, man, you just let me know. Cause I, I'm, I'm there for a hundred percent. I appreciate that. And I um, mean, this, this conversation, this opportunity to share means the world to me and connecting with you, you know, I couldn't, uh, could be more stoked. And so moving forward, yeah, just, you know, staying in touch and are you going to be at metabolic health summit? I'm trying to, I've got three conferences that are on my calendar in January. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. I'm trying to, I'm trying to do all yeah, three, sure. you know, metabolic health summit being one of them. But I don't know if I'm I'm going to be able to do all three, so we'll we'll see. I'm I'm definitely trying to though. Okay. Well, hopefully we uh, link up soon in person and uh, yeah, continue the conversation and the relationship, of course. And likewise, man, if anything I can do to help, like let me know. But I think yeah, just making this connection it, it means a lot to me and to have the opportunity to share. So uh, I appreciate your time and uh, your willingness to allow me to share. Absolutely, man. Anytime is an honor for sure. Where can uh, people go to find out more about you? Uh, so I keep it really simple across every social media platform you can think of that I do have. It's just at Josh Perry BMX, uh, most active on Instagram. And I do my absolute best to respond to every single comment DM. And a st- little quick story on that. When I was 16 and uh, back on the MySpace days, I messaged a favorite rider of mine at the time who I've now become friends with, which is crazy. But I messaged him and he responded. And it was like, yeah, man, come out to Texas sometime. We'll ride. And that just... Man, that made, you know, that was like, I don't even know, like that just made everything like just, I don't know, made so much sense. And I was like, man, that's just how I want to be, man. Like I just want to like respond and like support people. And they started there before I even knew what I was getting myself into. So yeah, Instagram, that's where you can get a hold of me the most efficiently. But then my website's just joshperrybmx.com. And um, yeah, pretty, pretty, awesome, pretty man, simple. Try to keep it consistent. No, that's, and I appreciate you responding back, man. I, I try to do the same thing. Like all the DMs, all the emails, all that stuff I respond back to. And that speaks volumes, man. Like you, you have the opportunity to, you have the story to be able to pay it forward and help inspire other people. So, you know, be, be that vision, be that story. And I mean, it's just simply like a, taking 30 seconds out of your day to respond back to a comment. I mean, that, that totally brightens somebody's day up. So 
keep doing that, man. Yeah, 100%. I appreciate it. I mean, I got so stoked, uh, so stoked when I saw your DM. I was like, oh, heck yeah. I can't wait to talk to him. Uh, I was just, man, I was thrilled. <laughs> I was blown away that you hit me up. So thank you. And yeah, like one of my favorite things, man, it's like, it's be the change you want to see. Like it starts with us, you know, it's a ripple effect after that. So like you said, like just showing up every day, how you not, not to be perfect, but how you want that, that speaks volume, man. And that, that adds up. So that's what I always love saying, be the change you want to see. And that's what I try to do every day, man. And just, uh, if I can help some people on the way, it's just, you know, that's, that's everything. I love it. I love it. Well, I, like I said, before we even start recording, man, I'm going to be in North Carolina, hopefully a bunch this coming year. So let's, let's definitely keep in touch, meet up in person and, uh, and, and do something, man. We'll do some kind of collaboration or something. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I'm not too far. I'm like 15 minutes from downtown Raleigh. So, um, there's a nice airport right out here. So if you're flying in, let me know. But yeah, if you're definitely out this way, would love to meet up for sure. Let's make it happen, man. Until then, Josh, I really appreciate it. Hopefully, I'll see you at Metabolic Health Summit. If not, I'll see you in North Carolina, bud. Yeah, thanks, Robert. I appreciate your time and the opportunity to share, man. It means a lot. You bet. Take care, brother.